Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. The will to win, the desire to succeed, the urge to reach your full potential. These are the keys that will unlock the door to personal excellence. And this is by Confucius. And when I think of our guest today, Tim Kelly, the word excellence is what pops in my mind. So that's why I picked that one. I want to thank you for jumping in again to The Profitable Photographer, or if this is your first time, welcome. And thanks so much for sharing and subscribing. And it really means a lot when you leave a comment and do some star ratings on iTunes. And of course, if you want to get in touch or learn more about me or my coaching programs, lucydumascoaching.com is the place to go. So I want to introduce you to somebody that I, I know I say this and it's always true, but especially today, I feel so honored to have Tim Kelly on the show. Welcome, Tim. Hey, good to be here, Lucy. Yeah. So I've been, I don't know how many times I've sat in your programs, Tim, <laughs> but I'll tell you a little of his bio. <laughs> He's a master yeah. portrait artist master photographer and printmaker, photographic craftsman, inducted into the lifetime membership of the Camera Craftsman of America. Mm -hmm. It's a group with 110 years of photographic history. He's been inducted into the International Society of Portrait Artists in Siena, Italy, and is a fellow of the American Society of Photographers, which that is a really big deal, as are the others. And he's been a Kodak mentor for almost 30 years. In other words, Tim's pretty good at what he does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just love it. I just love photography and I learned to love portraiture and it has been my, what feeds me for the last 50 plus years. Is the photography or the teaching yeah. or both? Well, photography as a creative person, as a creative period, I like making stuff and uh, photography is obviously one of my uh, priorities and one of my great loves though i am a craftsman in many ways i do all kinds of production and writing and i could even build furniture you know mm -hmm. i'm just a craftsman mm -hmm. and uh, but photography became the way that i could make the most money and be creative and kind of fulfill myself artistically so one of the things i think my listeners might want to know about mm -hmm. you um, besides the that you have actually been teaching also for 30 years extensively oh, yeah. yeah when I think and, of you Tim mm -hmm. <laughs> I I call you a humble superstar oh thank you because you have when you have been on stage and I've I've you know sat in the audience taking tons of notes <laughs> and mm, yeah. astounded at your mm -hmm. at your wisdom and brilliance and how good you are it's just it just feels like you are just there to give and you know you don't mm -hmm. 
Thank you. I believe that. I mean, I think at this point in my career, but even then, when I started teaching, I'd already been a professional for over 20 years, and I didn't go after teaching. I didn't need to be a who's who. What happened was I was just sharing, I think in Miami, for a local group, and there was a like a Kodak VP there. And this is 1988, and they were like, we love what you're saying, you know? Mm. And I was a Kodak user, uh-huh. of course, and... Uh, I did all my own printing and everything. So I was kind of a, a heavy Kodak user. And they said, we'd like you to consider, you know, uh, go letting us sponsor you to speak. And from like in, right out of the gate, uh, they were filling my calendar with places to go. And here's a funny thing is at that point, of course, with all these speaking dates, which I enjoyed very much, the states and regions and all that wanted to give me mat- merits. And at that point, I hadn't even joined PPA yet. (laughs) (laughs) So it was like, I guess I better join. Yeah. I I joined in in 1988 after I'd been a professional for nearly 20 years. And uh, I just finished my 30. So I got my lifetime membership, you know, just recently. But I didn't go fancy myself to be uh, a speaker or to make any kind of living at it. You know, when you get busy... Sometimes the photographers out there think that you're doing it, that you're doing it to make money or to get famous or whatever. And I didn't need any of that because I had a wonderful business. I love what I did and I really didn't need to teach, but I enjoyed it. I found that I enjoyed it. And as you noted, many people say I'm very good at it. And some people are natural teachers and Mm -hmm. coaches and some are not you know they're just going through a script and a presentation right but i just i just tell it like it is a funny thing is i mean you've 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 seen me i make no note cards you know (laughs) no cue cards no script no idea in fact i remember the last two times i did the main stage at imaging which was 2015 2017 my wife was asking me saying don't you have any notes or anything, any slides, anything? I said, nope, I don't even think about what I'm going to say. I just go out in there. It's all, you know, right off of my top of my head. Yeah. You know, so that's a natural teacher. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved it. And I love, you know, having a unique presentation as much as I can each and every time. Now, on the other hand, I'm accused of really only teaching the same thing all the time. And it is, excellence in posing and lighting that Mm -hmm. is my main thing though of course that just kind of naturally rolls off to marketing and how to make a living Mm -hmm. at doing it you know so my topics can can just kind of flow into other areas but yeah i'm a teacher about what i do what i Mm -hmm. use the the kind of you know, software and the cameras and the film and the lights, whatever it is, I'm happy to share any of it. But I've been doing this, doing the same thing my entire career, pretty much. And I have a very strong conviction in that, that we are born with a point of view. Mm. In other words, your art, the way you see things, the way you want to see things is kind of born into you. So I have noticed and I've proven to many other people that the initial images, like for myself, that I took 
when I was 12 and 13 years old of my brothers and sisters in window light and whatever, I shot them the way I wanted to see them. And the, it looks exactly like the work I did in the right. 80s, 90s, 2000s and today. Yeah. It has the same essence to it. So, so I, I believe you can learn many techniques and many styles, but ultimately mm-hmm. we all are best served if we default to our natural instincts that make right. us unique. Yeah. When I was interviewing Jeff Lubin, you know Jeff, right? Mm. Do you know Jeff? And I, he also has, does a lot of studio photography. And I was trying to pin him mm-hmm. down as to the, his belief that classic portraiture is still like one of the easiest to sell. And he was just like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about people finding their own passions, their own dreams. So I mm-hmm. think you're booking, bookending that, that while I love and sometimes do some photographs that kind of have a Tim Kelly quality when I'm doing studio work. In fact, of course, Mm -hmm. like many of my colleagues, I do own a background called Kelly Beige. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) After you. Um, (laughs) And I love that style, but my own sensibilities Mm -hmm. are different. So what would you say your style what what's your default? Well, it is a couple. It has a couple of elements, but one of them is I can't uh, make an image that doesn't have a full range of tone in it. Meaning, you know, true blacks, true whites, but ninety five percent of everything else fits into another level. And uh, I see a, a growing style right now, and I know where it comes from. Uh, black and white studio type photography that has a lot of black in it, you know, and mm-hmm. I can't take that mm-hmm. myself. I can't, I can't have, the way I look at it is an image area, whether it's an eight by 10 or a 50 by 80 print or portrait, I have to have something of interest in every square inch of that piece. Mm. Okay. A de- I have to have a detail, even if it's deeply shadowed or nearly highlight, I can't have vacant space in my images. Okay. I want you to have some place for your eye to rest anywhere it wants to look. So these new black and whites that people are making that have so much black, they're very stark and that's a style, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. I have to say, you want me to have a very low key dynamic image? I can do that, but I'm gonna leave something in the background for you to move through with your eye. So that's a big part of the style. Secondarily, I believe in all the classical lighting styles and contemporary styles, but I always choose the one that flatters the subject the most. So I'm trying to please a paying customer 95% of the time, okay? Though I like my own projects and that kind of thing, but I'm really generally, most rewarded when I create things that flatter my clients. So I like to be, I consider myself a very optimistic person and I like my renderings to be very positive and very optimistic of my subjects. So I want them to look better than they ever have Mm -hmm. without, without artwork, you know, by just having them well lit and have them in the right space and the Mm -hmm. right mood and then 
the retouch and finishing just kisses it, just makes it nicer. Right. And I have no stops on that either. I, but I do instinctively, intuitively know when is too much in the retouching area, you know? Right. So that's probably another ingredient. If you've studied my books or any of that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you'll, you'll never accuse me of over retouching. Right. I want I, that naturalness. Yes. When I think of your work, first of all, the, the skin tones are like, if I just close my eyes and I can't remember anything particular, I re remember that you get the most gorgeous natural skin tones mm -hmm. and that they're generally very simple and classic, but with a, with a modern twist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, it's kind of just a new, it's my own version of classical portraits. And right. I, people ask me, well, who do you, who do you study and all that? Well, as a young, young person, I studied everybody, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and I learned from everybody from the Monty to the Rocky Guns to the Philip Cheris, all that stuff. Right. But ultimately, for the last 20, 30 years, I've just been studying art, you know, portrait art right. in other mediums for inspiration. So there are plenty of people making wonderful things, but there is also uh, a recognition of what your natural, again, point of view, like they say in the cooking shows, culinary point of view, you mm -hmm. know, if you understand that, just apply it to art or photography and understand that you have, you can develop, and then you cr can present your photographic or visual point of view. So I have had mine a very long time, so I almost have to work to break from it mm -hmm. <laughs> occasionally, occasionally. I know what my right. natural de default is. Right. So when I want to be more creative, I, I can only do it like after I have created several wonderful Kelly portraits. Then I can uh, go right. and go a little crazy, you know, yeah. after that. But I've had really good mentors in the past. And I, I studied Avedon and I think Irving Penn is by far my favorite, most influential photographer mm. because he, he filled his frame with a uh, subject. So if he's shooting a Hasselblad, he made a square creation. Right. If he's shooting eight by 10, he makes a, that ratio, uh -huh. you know? So I, I have always my entire life done the same thing. If you gave me a 35 millimeter image or a camera, I'm going to fill the frame and compose it for that space, ah. not the ultimate 1620. Right. If I'm shooting Hasselblad, I am making square compositions right. all day long. Yeah, I love you know, squares. So that's the way you know, that I like to work. And then yeah. also, you know, Irving Penn was great. And then the late Mark Hauser was mm, a, yeah. uh, you know, was a colleague in many ways. We, we were in the same place at the same time. And Mark and I spoke a lot. And when I first saw some of his work in a magazine, a big spread with lots of pictures, I thought, how did this guy copy me? <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah. it, it was all PN55, the Polaroid film. Uh -huh. He had the same kind of crinkly muslin backgrounds yeah. and the same big soft light. And I'm like, where did he get that from? You know? Yeah. And I was already been doing it since the late eighties mm -hmm. and I didn't find him till, you know, 92, 95, whatever. And then I'm like, I gotta, I gotta learn more about this. And right. uh, of course, Mark was quite the character 
And uh, I loved his work and especially those things that I witnessed to that, that felt mm-hmm. like me, you know, I loved right. it. So you have to, every image maker can find inspiration in other image makers, but it's only early on in your career that you should be literally copying people. You so know? how does one find their own creative sensibility, their own eye, their own style? Well, it's there. I mean, it is already there. There was a, a photographer right. how who, do you, who, who how do you it. it. I don't, yeah, you just have to find it, you know? <laughs> and I think as you, if you're serious about it and you're starting to, you know, discover things, I, I know, you know that I love black and white. I yes. love black and white. And I've been doing it by hand since I was like 11 or 12 years old. So printmaking and all that. So that part of it is really, really interesting because prior to that, I was an art student at a very young age. I actually got tested with those the skill levels because I, I grew up in a Catholic school where if the kids in the class were unruly, they would take away art. <laughs> That's what they would take away, music or art. And the nuns, you know? And what would happen is I was so disheartened month after month when I wouldn't get to do art. So literally in the fifth grade, my parents uh, were so gracious to me. I, we have seven, I was the oldest of seven kids. They had me tested and I was put into an advanced art program in a high school mm. when I was in the fifth grade. So in the fifth grade, I was doing high school art projects and I kept on gravitating to monochrome image making. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, I did pen and ink, pencil, scratchboard, which is reverse pen and ink. I did, ch- when I did charcoals, I didn't do pastels, I did charcoals. <laughs> Go ahead. The one that totally lit my fire was the final one was etching. And I was doing etching, glass etching and copper etching, things like that, making prints in a single ink color. And, uh, that was my absolute favorite. And isn't it funny that really that's what photography is. Mm -hmm. It's etching, you know? So since I was a little kid, I was intrigued with and uh, in tune with monochrome. So my whole life has favored that even when I didn't know it. So uh, I was going to say that I learned about this other illumination when I was speaking, I was speaking in Illinois and there was another photographer there. I'm trying to think of his name. It was way back. I mean, back in, you know, 1980s, 89, 90. And he, he was the one that defied me. He said, your work will never change. He says, the work that you started with that you did off of, off the cuff and just freestyling is never going to look much different from what you ultimately end up creating for the rest of your life. And I, I thought, oh, no, that can't be true. You know, but the more I chewed on it, and I could actually remember the first roll of film I ever shot and processed, it was black and white portraits by window light. And sure as can be, they look just like the stuff I do today. Yeah, yeah. And I was 12 or 13 years old. When so, I was... He was right, you know, when yeah. I thought back, and, and fortunately, because they were family, they, uh, that they were still available for me to look at. Nice. 
when I was, I don't know, mid twenties, I ran across what has been a quote that has served me really well that I love to share with people. Cause I was like, how do you, how do you create success or how do you figure out what you're supposed to do? Or how do you, you know, especially mm -hmm. in your twenties. Yeah. And the quote is watch <clears throat> what your hand falls to naturally. Yep. And keep doing more of that. Right. And I think that works in business, yeah. but absolutely in, in yeah. the creative art. Yeah. But if you love, again, what you, if you love what you're doing and you make that your business, you will, you'll succeed at that. You know, yeah. uh, besides the fact that I, I have, you know, an unwritten mission statement that every customer is going to be happy. I basically protect myself and my reputation by making sure I deliver more than they expect every single time. Mm. So that is just how I work and the way I, I like operating. So for instance, I sold uh, portraits this morning that I created last week. Good for you. Uh, I knew they were only gonna probably maybe get the average of eight or 10 images, different poses. But I went through my 250 frames and I carefully selected the best of every pose and every person and whatever, and ended up with a collection of about 46, 47, 48 images, mm -hmm. even though I knew they were only going to buy, you know, maybe the average, which is a dozen or less, eight or 10 or 12. And uh, I don't mind doing the extra work, pre-retouching twice as many as they're going to buy, because I want them to have more great ones than they can afford. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. So it's a win-win. I don't mind. I can just go right in and know in my head, yeah, you know, there's going to be 15 images of these that I quick, that I touched up. I might be, have spent three hours doing, mm -hmm. but that was to assure, that was my insurance policy that they would be totally blown away when they saw my presentation of their images and I, you know, I haven't done a reshoot in 35 years. Mm -hmm. So that's because in my mind as operations, that's my philosophy is, is show more, I mean, show more, but deliver more and above what can be possibly dreamed of or expected, right. you know, and that's, so that's why we have happy clients. Right. And so I choose that, you know, I choose to do yeah. that. And your pricing is such that you yeah. can afford to spend that three hours sure, touching yeah. because that yeah. it's not, they're not going to be giving you, you know, $500. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Put no, a few zeros on that. <laughs> yeah. They're not uh, going to buy a print for $18, you know, that kind right. of thing. So right. the fact is uh, that is my, you know, assurance that I have made the most of every client experience for me and them. They got so such a wonderful experience. They got so many to choose from and they go out happy knowing they got the best of the best of the best. And I don't mind a bit that I uh, overproduced for them. Right. You know what I mean? So, so, so I'm listening for some of your tips that fit in sure. with how to be a profitable photographer. Yeah. And what I've heard so far is number mm -hmm. one, kind of as soon as you can discover your natural style. Right, making so a difference. Yeah. When you're putting that out there, mm -hmm. it is going to be yours and yours alone. So <clears throat> it 
It's the only way to get noticed uh, is to do that, is to be unique. If you're just another copy of the flavor of the month, you're going to be shopped by price. Right. So what you want to be is uh, unique in the marketplace. And, and yeah, and when my, my business exploded, really from being just successful to wildly successful, it was because I was showing in my shop window something people had not seen before, right. which happened to, happen to be very large black and white portraits of children, very loose, but of a fidelity that they, they'd never seen before because I was shooting kids on four by five film. Oh, wow. You know, so these big prints, people just put their nose on the window, you know, and mm -hmm. it was like, wow, what is this? <laughs> so every so, morning, yeah. three times oh, yeah. a day, you had to clean the glass. <laughs> exactly. So, that, so the yeah. other thing mm -hmm. I hear, so number one mm -hmm. is learn your style. Yeah. Number two is exceed expectation, give mm. beyond oh, excellent service and yeah. quality. Sure. You have a third tip that would directly sure. relate yeah. to being profitable. Yeah. Well, I think it probably goes strangely with the, what I just described was showing more than they can afford. Okay. Mm -hmm. I do that as a rule, but I also greatly limit what I could show. So I'm a very, very firm believer in show less, mm. show less. So in other words, I would be making a horrible mistake to, in my presentation room, show them any two or three images that looked alike. Mm. All you're going to do is wear them down and make mm -hmm. them work too hard to decide which is better. I've already done that for them. When I showed them the 40 poses, every one was unique. There was no two that were the same. They were either different lighting, pose, expression. You know, if you show your clients any redundant poses or expressions, you are just making their life hard. Mm. So I, even though I'm going to show them more pre-finished ones, uh, that's because I can't make up my mind which yeah. ones I like yeah. the best. Uh -huh. I like all these 40. However, one of the greatest mistakes and sins out there is to show too many. And let me tell you how I would say that to a client. It doesn't really come up in my world that much because they know that pretty much I tell them what to buy. I, right. I recommend everything from the poses to pick to the sizes that they use. So I care more about the, the image selected than anything. We, we do that you know, every single time. We give them these choices. We show them less. But it's all about them having an e a very easy experience, you know, and helping them. Being, mm. I like to be. I like to even say, I'm here selling, but I'm your advocate mm. because I want you to have on your walls, on grandma's, you know, shelf, and on your iPhone, the very best, most impressive, holy cow images from this session. Okay, so I'm going to help you find them, you know, mm -hmm. so that's that's my, again, overarching attitude is I'm going to make money no matter what, right. you know, but I am go I'm there to help you pick the right ones, do the right things with them, you know, and make sure you've had a great experience. Right. Now, I have, Tim, a slightly different philosophy with my work where I leave in about 30% that I know they'll take out. Yeah. But if they don't, I still, there's still images mm -hmm. I love, but sure. so that mm -hmm. they end up with 
let's say 40 images they love and and all my favorites are still in there so that i can sell them three to seven large portraits and an album yeah that's great and that's what you want that's your goal yeah i understand that yeah right uh, My, you know, and yeah. it is a fine mm-hmm. line, and and I probably do work too hard in the sales room. <laughs> yeah, they do get yeah. a bit exhausted, but yeah. I have a system. Yeah, um, and I talk mm-hmm. about the the pencil. Hey Tim, do you want the red, green, or blue pencil? <laughs> okay. Or if I just say, do you want this pencil? Uh-huh. So by giving them similar choices, sure. slightly different mm-hmm. expressions, right. they leave in at least one. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's you know different. Yeah, it's a different technique, but it, it lines up with your, your sales goal. Right. My, my sales goal is uh, a little hindered because of the high, <laughs> that me being such a, an artist in so many ways, it's like I'm that before everything. Right. So I made a, a conceptual change in my business plan way back in the late 80s. And that was that as an artist... I will be satisfied and completely happy and fulfilled if this next client only buys one pose. Mm. One, because I want that to be highly regarded, okay? Right. And uh, because my pricing also reflected that. We're talking 30 years ago, I was getting, you know, 250 to $1,000 just to walk in the camera room and mm-hmm. do, create. And then they're going to, if they pick one, I still win, you know, because I'm getting a lot of reward for my uh, creativity right. and, and the art part of it. And to this day, I am still satisfied if people buy one. Right. Uh, but they don't, you know, they usually buy, again, you know, six, eight, ten, whatever. The, it's a high school senior, they're going to get 30, you know, but on the average portrait assignment, I'm totally thrilled if, it, if they only get four or five or six. That's right. That's just fine. And I'm really kind of have an attitude about sometimes, which don't take the wrong way or other people, collections and things like that. I like albums and image boxes and all this. However, I don't want multiple images from the same series or same session on one wall. Okay. Uh Of, you know, you know, they talk about collections and things like that. People sell more product that way. And I don't, I believe that the the second and third and fourth image of the same session, same person, it kind of reduces the impact of the main portrait, the number right. one portrait. Now I tell people, I don't mind if you buy a one of brother, one of sister and hang it in the next room, or you have an outtake on the table below it, but I just don't believe in that. So again, that's my, my personal prejudice and it affects my sales well, for sure. And it, but it goes yeah. with your style because yeah. each one is that like moment that you could sit with just like, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, exactly. It is true. Pinky or Blue Boy or exactly. Mona Lisa yeah. or any portrait that is, is a sure. real portrait that has a depth you can't right which brings that's part of the mm -hmm. your images have that for me when i do multiples Mm -hmm. um they're they're usually because they they make a story so there might be oh yeah it's together and then a wall portrait of each of the children but Mm -hmm. that's not going in the main right uh, yeah spots it's it's those extras in order to find a way for them to be able to enjoy them every day right. and not 
have sure. every single wall in their house mm-hmm. taken up. No, no. It seems like my my sales largely, especially in the past, until I got to a place where I, I just wanted to do a little, little bit less, would be uh, a large wall portrait of main, you know, foyer, dining room, fireplace type thing. And then there'd be a second large image, and then there'd be panels and there'd be image boxes and albums and all that kind of thing and i do some painting though i'm not um big on that people mm-hmm. collect them but because i do that i do everything myself as far as the art goes and if i don't do but three paintings in a year i'm cold and <laughs> when i go back to, go to right. do one you know mm-hmm. but making making prints and and shooting is always on top of my mind, on top of right. my face, you know, right there. So it's it is what you want to get out of your your style and your career, and the the thing that I like. And the, is when you mentioned Blue Boy and Pinky and whatever, and I don't they reside in California at the Huntington, Huntington Library. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So I I have some great favorites too. But one of the things that I tell people is that I prefer pleasant expressions. Mona Lisa like expressions pinky expressions. I don't necessarily want teeth in my portraits. And people ask why, you know, I tell them, well, quite scientifically measured, people will spend 10 times as long viewing an image where they're not cheesing back at you, Right. you know? So if you want this to have impact on your wall, you want people's jaws to drop, you want them to go walk up and just look at it for a couple minutes, this is the kind of image you right. need to make. You know, So uh, sometimes we have to teach people that. Oh, and one little thing we didn't quite, I didn't get to finish okay. on the topic of the sales is that, because I'm sure people out there have had this happen where they say, well, well I get to see them all. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, My answer is yes, you can. But what I'm going to do for you is I'm going to spend hours going through them and kind of put them in tiers. I put them in the artist select tier, the ones that I like the best, Mm -hmm. which is already more than they can afford, you know, if they bought every one. And then I have a runner up tier, which might have some cute images in it. And then it goes down from there, third tier. And that comes in handy when I'm building a a senior book or something like that. But for portraits, they are calm and assured that they can look deeper if they want to. But the secret to that is my first tier that I hand selected is pre-retouched, okay? So when mama says, let me see what's, what's next beyond that. As soon as I show them an unretouched one, that's the end of digging into the uh, other two. Okay. okay? Yeah. So, but I've diffused it all by saying, of course you can if you want. Yeah. You know, but I've done all this work. So as soon as they see their first unretouched picture, they're like, no, you picked the right ones. Right. And success on top of success. So I have a, a story for you. Uh-huh. Huntington Library. And you mentioned, oh, you didn't mention Phil Cheris, but I'm sure. Yeah, I did. I did. Yes, yeah. I did. Okay. Yeah. Cheris. So mm-hmm. he did my high school yearbook. <laughs> wow. And living in that area, yeah. uh, I went to the Huntington Library. Yeah. And we used to be able to do, I was editor of my yearbook. So sure. we used to be able to take the cheerleaders and the, the princesses and go to Huntington Library and use nice. it for background. Yeah. And I, <laughs> That's good. I have this, this picture of Mr. Cheris 
Uh -huh. Because for people that don't know who you have was, to call him, Mr. Charles. He, he created this very formal, very ornate, beautiful style. Yeah. I have this picture of him exhausted after photographing a bunch of cheer cheerleaders or yeah. a band <laughs> in the library, yeah. wandering through the gallery, looking at the portraits, the beautiful classic uh -huh. paintings, and saying, That's it no more high school seniors i'm going to create a luxury brand and i'm going to photograph in the style of uh -huh. remember of that huh? these wow. artists yeah. I, I, that's my picture of wow. a moment that yeah i think happened to mr Cheris. well probably yeah where he I mean, discovered mm -hmm. his nature was mm -hmm. through uh, exposing himself to yeah he was very inspired by that for sure yeah, yeah. so one of the things mm -hmm. i really wanted to get into um mm -hmm. before we run out of time yeah is i love hearing from i don't know several times that you've done programs about mm -hmm. how you've set up the your traveling show we'll say where you mm -hmm. went to a different city and booked appointments and mm -hmm. came home with enough yeah. income to buy a yacht <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah well can you uh, explain a little about how yeah. work, what <clears throat> it is the interesting thing about it, it does not have to represent, I was just saying that the success that we're talking about with those events, and I call them events, basically portrait events, is that it doesn't mean it had to be an expensive uh, product or service to make a lot of money. I have actually done it at all three levels, I call it, of uh, pricing. It actually started with like a a $99 eight by 10 in a kitty store. And mm. it was uh, way back in the eighties, you know, and I had formulated that I could do a child's portrait, a nice child's portrait in uh, just a couple of minutes, you know, and if I had them booked up to come in, you know, every 10 minutes or something, mm -hmm. kind of like glorified school pictures. Yeah, they they're were, calling them mini sessions now. Yeah, they do. And they were prepaid and all that. So the trick was, you know, getting somebody to host the event that would be in charge of collecting all the money, making the reservations. And there was a children's store in town that really wanted me to come and serve their clients. And they advertised it like they were doing they were bringing me in for their clients. Mm. Now that's not, that's not uh, new, but it was new to me then. The attitude was not like, I'm bringing a photographer in, you know, to sell pictures. She was like, I am bringing Tim Kelly to the store for two days to do my client's children. And the way that it was done was the host personally invited. We didn't send out you know, flyers per se or whatever the host invited the people to come in and she took their $99 right on the phone to fill up the calendar. And it worked so well, me and my team never even ever had to have, got to have lunch because she'd sell our lunches out from under us too <laughs> because it was so, so busy. No, so that just... worked on, on the low end and uh, which brings me to, you know, one other little point is whatever, the, and I'm sure you've heard this from me, and it's still gospel. Whatever price point brings them in, people are good generally for two and a half times that, mm. no sweat. Right. So that, and that held true where our average little kitty order was 250 So then when we did another event in another town, 
and we started booking at a, a minimum package of let's say 395 for a, a better session, 20 minute session and an 11 by 14, those $400 customers became $1,000 customers, mm -hmm. okay? And, and that was the average, that was not the, the uh, odd ones, that was the average of the event. So what you're probably also referring to is that we would go out on the road and have places set up. They were usually art galleries or frame shops. That was the main one we did, frame shops. Mm. And there's a big, big reason to do that was because we'd go into a frame shop. They'd make room for us. They'd have sent out invitations to people. They will have collected the deposits, and that was mandatory so that the people would show up, <laughs> you yeah. know, prepaid. And by them hosting it, we gave them a finder's fee of that three ninety-five. We gave them the first hundred dollars, which was the deposit they collected. Mm. So we didn't even get involved in that money. Nice. So they filled the calendar, they secured it, then we'd come in and do the event, and we would we here's the big the big boon to the frame shop is we would deliver all the final product, not to the clients, ah. but to the frame shop. Ah. So then they would make individual appointments and they'd have all their ideas for framing mm -hmm. ready to go. So that was, you know, people want traffic. And if I could tell my frame shop guys, I say, through my sessions, I'm gonna do 15 sessions over this weekend. In a month later, when the images are done and delivered to you, you can then have 20 qualified clients coming in to have all these pieces framed. And they made sometimes more than I did. <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So that's, you always have to think of the benefit to the other person right. to make success. And that's why we devised the fact that, no, we don't want the deposit, the security. We want the host to collect it as they sign them up. Now, the kitty events that we would do for two days, twice a year, that was like 25, they'd squeeze like 25 sessions in on a Friday, Saturday, and they were getting $100 each deposit just for writing them in the appointment book. Mm -hmm. So, so they're happy with that. No cost of goods, you know, and uh, then I come in and do my, my job. And then they, you know, they're selling clothes, <laughs> you know, all the time on this photo for right. the photo shoot. Right. So everybody benefits and that's right. the only way it can work. You can't go right. to a shop and say, wouldn't you be lucky to have some of my pictures? No. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Right. You know, right. so you always have to be really thinking of the other person if they're to get a, a successful host. And I mean, graciousness pays off so yeah. well. Yeah. You know? That with them, what's in it? Wait, yeah. What's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. I would love to spend another hour with you or a thousand hours and <laughs> in your brain. I wanted to tell you one other little, when you were mentioning uh, mm -hmm. some of the great uh, photographers that you've studied in the past. Yeah. There's a new, there's a new Netflix show called Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the last episode I watched, they sent these young starlets to the famous photographer. Mm -hmm. And who do you think they sent them to? What Carell. time period was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. And then, sure. And so if people haven't looked up George Harrell or the yeah. other 
other great artists yeah. in the past, portrait artists. <clears throat> but it was so fun to see somebody posing as Harrell with yeah. the lighting. Uh, and I love I actually, that. I actually found a Harrell print. Oh yeah, yeah. For two dollars at a garage sale. Well, a, that's a, a, it, a it real could be. Yeah, they. You know, you mentioned you know Philip Cheris and yeah, and he and I were very good friends and Marianne's wife and I've been in their home many times and she has she owns so much photography, it's she has probably one of the largest collections I've ever seen. Mm. She owns, I think, two complete volumes of collections of Harrell. It must be like 40 famous portraits that she has original prints. Original, and wow. I mean, oh yeah, her, her collection goes into a Steichen, you know? Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. And I've been fortunate to view it face yeah. up and, and nice. close up and personal. And that stuff is amazing. But in every generation, there are some greats, you know? So we are very privileged. I'll tell you, the one of the most impressive little stories before you close is was told to me by another photographer. I'm trying to think who was it in Ottawa, Canada. What was his name? The portrait photographer, the famous black and white four by five. What is his name? Come on, I should have wrote it down. Famous, famous photographer. He shot, you know, four by five and he did uh, beautiful portraits, classic works of art. And of course it'll come to me, but he would have the people come back in to see what he'd done, what he'd made, what he created. And he had a little tiny round coffee table between two chairs. And that's how he made his presentation. And he says, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I've finished the images and I have them right here. He's got his hand on each one. And then he says, and I hate this one. <laughs> so he's basically, he's basically telling him, this is the one that you will have, you know? Oh, it was Joseph Karsh. Karsh. Joseph Karsh, yeah, yeah. 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 That's how he often, <laughs> he, he put his opinion into it so strong, he would make these images, make the prints, and after seeing them, he'd decide which one it should be. <laughs> so when he said, this was a firsthand story, he says, he had the two prints, these are my, the two that I've been working on, and I hate this one. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be, this is going to be your portrait. Yeah, the other <laughs> and, one. The one he and I, I actually have taken a lot of that into heart myself because okay. I really do push people without pushing, but just psychologically into getting the right, making the right choices. Right. You know, and I, <laughs> I often uh, teach about becoming the trusted advisor with our clients that they uh -huh. need to know, like, and trust us and be, be leaning into our leadership. And clearly yeah. you create that, that leadership, that trusted mm -hmm. advisor position from yeah. before, you know, like probably the first time. It's important. Yeah. Hears mm -hmm. about you. So I have two questions yeah. before I do my little wrap sure. up. So everybody, please stay tuned to my wrap up. How do sure. we get in touch with you? I would suggest email. It's simply Tim Kelly at Tim Kelly portraits.com. One Portrait. E. Yeah, and portraits with an S, two L's. <laughs> but the just go to my website as well, Tim Kelly Portraits, and there is a contact uh, page there. You can send me a note, uh, and I'm glad to help you. We also have a, a pro shop, which we do have our DVDs and books and such. My stuff is also often on Amazon. And, and of course, I do have a YouTube channel 
where I share a lot of my library and we create a lot of new content all the time. During this COVID thing, it's gotten to a stall. I'm shooting my first new episode this week for hmm. my channel, which is called Tim Kelly's Master Photo Techniques nice. on YouTube. Okay. And then I know in your pro shop mm. on the mm. website, you're creating a discount code mm -hmm. for our listeners. So how, how do they find yeah, that? Uh, yeah, they, the pro shop can be gotten to through my website. There's a button there for pro photographers. And then you could also go, I believe, proshop.timkellyportraits.com. And I think we're using just TK2020 to get uh, whatever you said the uh, discount was that we wanted yeah, to do. You told me 25 or yeah, yeah 25%. Yeah. Okay. And we have, you know, we have uh, books and we have the DVDs and uh, a few other things, but uh, we do have a lot of, a um, lot of history. We've, we actually, before it became the thing to do, we've had 15 titles, DV, full DVD, DVD titles. And now I've got a hundred videos on my YouTube Goodness. and uh, two books that are still in print. I've had three and now we're next going to be doing some eBooks that will probably come out every six months or something. Nice. Mm -hmm. So my second question is, yeah. last question, uh, is there one thing you want people either you've not mentioned it yet or you want to mm -hmm. highlight it again? One last thing you'd like to share with my listeners? Well, to me, the, the most important ingredient to success in any industry and especially the arts is being unique. And unique is most easily achieved if you follow your own personal, personal instinct and vision. And uh, yeah, you learn what you need to know by emulating other styles, but ultimately give in to your instinct. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you, Tim. This my has pleasure. Been, even exceeded my hopes for this conversation. <laughs> Great. And I'm sure people are going to be loving to, to learn more from you and love this episode. So Great. Um, thank, thank you, you, Lucy. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Same here. Okay. I'm back. Tim has gone off to enjoy the rest of his day in Florida or whatever he's doing during our COVID times. And I wanted to thank you again for sharing this podcast with others. By the time you listen to this, there will have been 20,000 downloads in over 54 countries. So a shout out to Guatemala and Spain, and of course, Australia, New Zealand, France, Brazil, all around the world. Uh, it just delights me to no end to, to realize that people have been finding this show. And I would absolutely love to chat with you if you have any questions. You can join my Facebook group, which is The Profitable Photographer, and like my business page, which is The Profitable Photographer page, I think. It might say Lucy Dumas as well. So a couple of things, as we were talking and Tim was sharing about different photographer artists he studied and different painters that he loved, it made me uh, realize that for people who are pretty new in this industry, I hope you uh, caught on that 
as you stay in this career and you study art and you study photography and you study, I don't know, your own personal style and, and make friends in the industry and have, have people's work that inspires you, it's just a deep and wide uh, profession and craft and art that, that I know when I started, it felt like very now. And as I've been in this now for not as long as Tim, but, but pretty close to that, there's just such a depth to it. And in getting involved in the profession, you get to meet people that over time, like he was a beginning teacher when I first took a class with him, probably 32 years ago or something, that so much develops. I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, but I just, I just love that we're a part of something so important and so lasting and valuable. And I want to encourage you to, to work on your own um, growth in the area of understanding art and the history of photography and all that good stuff. So a couple things that I, I got from Tim and this really great conversation, I enjoyed it, is the importance of finding your own specialty, your own essence, that who you are. <laughs> He didn't mention this, but I bet if we even look back to our childhood drawings and things we collected and, you know, lots of other clues as to what our own innate sensitivities and I are, when we explore that and we find ways to express it, that is one of the keys to financial and professional success because we're standing out from everyone else who is imitating. And certainly he mentioned it's okay to imitate others, but at a certain point to stand out from the crowd, it is important to be doing that which lights you up and that will attract your clients that are going to love what you do. He also talked about delivering, over-delivering on what you promise and you know wowing the clients above and beyond their expectations that's an important tip for being profitable and he speak who he is and his style which is i would say very quiet and also he's mostly studio it he edits about 30 or 40 portraits now his sales he didn't mention it but you probably would be pretty astounded if, if you knew. I wish I'd asked him that, but maybe because he's a very humble guy. He's not. Anyway, so he can afford the time because he, he's building in that retouching time into his pricing. And then I love knowing more about how he created this whole program where he was the guest artist in other cities and he did them he went from minis mini programs in children's store all the way to a, a more luxury approach with a little more time in art galleries and frame shops and so he explains how he makes it so it's really valuable for the store and so i loved knowing more about that and he might even have a video on that on YouTube. I don't know. But 
his his last focus he wanted to be sure is to follow our own vision so i hope you're doing that and i hope you are finding ways to express your creativity and pamper yourself and inspire others and find inspiration and i will uh, see you all next week bye you have been listening to the highly profitable photographer with lucy dumas if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate subscribe review and share to connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs just go to lucydumascoaching.com until next time go have fun photographing and selling your work